born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. We have been doing some studies in the book of Genesis, and you'd be surprised how many chapters in the Old Testament deals with a lot of the lessons that we learn in the New Testament, and especially from the book of Galatians. So I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Galatians. And we're going to look at some very interesting scriptures. If you get this down, if you really get tonight's down, you'll get down a lot more than what most preachers get down. Because they, most of them do not understand this fourth chapter of the book of Galatians. You'd be surprised how many times I'm asked a lot of questions about verses that seems to say, seems to say, number one, that you can lose your salvation. And two, what about the fruit in your life? So the world is made up of a lot of, you know, fruit inspectors. Now that's the people who get out their little magnifying glass and they go around inspecting to see whether or not are you a real genuine Christian or not. And they can tell, they can tell, because they listen to what you say, and they listen to what you do, and therefore they can determine by that information they gather and put together, you know, whether you're real or just a phony. And so, well, you could, a real Christian wouldn't do that. And you watch and you find out, lo, a lot of preachers are messing up in their lives. A lot of deacons are messing up in their lives. And a lot of people in the congregation are messing up in their lives. And sooner or later, it seems like everybody messes up somewhere along the line. Well, if you was to um, demand that fruit appear in everybody's life consistently, all the time, you're going to have to condemn just about everybody. Well, you would. Now, this chapter explains why Paul was so upset with these Galatians, because he's the one that led them to the Lord. You see, they had been under bondage of the bondage of the world, the sinful nature. We've got people today that are trapped in all kinds of drugs and alcohol and you name it. We've got a sinful nature. We're rebellious. We're like sheep. And sometimes trying to find a source of victory is a little on the difficult side. So here in the book of Galatians, and if you will, you can look there in your notes. We're going to start there in verse 8. 
And I'll read a little bit and then talk a little bit. But here in the book of Galatians chapter 4 verse 8. We just covered about when you trusted Christ as your Savior. You became a not just a child of God. You became a son of God. A son that can claim an inheritance. And so now because you are his child. Why in the world would you want to go back. Give up your inheritance. It's like, you know, somebody died and left me a million dollars. I just keep it. I don't want it. I'd rather be poor any day. Oh, not this boy. So anyway, it'd be like born into this world with a body like I've got now. I have limitations. (laughs) And there's a lot of people that are the same way. But what if all of a sudden... God gave me the body of a Superman. Now, you've done seen the Superman comics and so forth. Now, what if I would come up and I was Superman? I could fly. You couldn't hurt me. You can't kill me unless you got a hold of some kryptonite, which we don't have any on this planet. And I could see through everything, and I could do everything. I'm the strongest man, and zip, 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 no, able to leap tall buildings at a single bounce. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Yankee. Now, if I had that kind of a body, tell me, why would I want to put that body aside and crawl back into this one? Not once I've experienced what it's like. We see, that's what some people are trying to do when they uh, try to put you back underneath the law. Saved by grace, but if you don't live right, and you don't do this right, and you don't stop this, and they put you right back under law, so now your salvation depends upon you keeping it. And God says, no, no, no. That's not what it is. That's legalism, and it doesn't work, and it doesn't help people to solve their problems. It doesn't get them out of their, you know, their little traps that they're in. So he says here in verse 8, How be it then, when you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God. Now there's a difference here. You may know about God, but do you know God? This is why Jesus made the statement in the book of um, Matthew chapter 7. People that says, and they wanted to get into the the kingdom of heaven, and he says, uh, I don't know you. He said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. See, it's one thing for me to know God, but it's another thing, and better, that God knows me. When you're born into God's family, God knows his children. And that's why in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, he says, uh, we have this assurance, this foundation, stand sure. Having this, you know, the Father, he knoweth his children. He knoweth those that belong to him. He knows those that are his. Therefore, let everyone who knows the Lord depart from iniquity. So it is the will of God that Christians live like their father. And um, he said, why do you want to go back underneath the law? So he says here in verse 9, there's weak and beggarly elements. Where do you desire again to be in bondage? Because that's what they were doing. In other words, isn't it wonderful to know that I'm saved by grace. God gives me eternal life. All my sins are paid. I'm going to heaven when I die. And that can never change. 
Therefore, it is impossible for me to go to hell today or in the future. Why? I don't have any sins to pay for. He paid for how many of my sins? All of my sins. Now, why would I want to think, well, I could lose it if I don't do this or lose it if I don't do that? Well, then, if that's the case, then automatically you're going to try to keep earning something you already have. It's kind of like this. Even in America today, if the people were taught correctly, they'd know that we are a republic. We're not a democracy. And they want to move from a democracy into socialism. Well, once you have enjoyed and know and understand the principles of the republican form of government, why would you ever want to go to socialism? Because socialism can't and doesn't work until they realize they didn't spend everybody's money. And there's none left from nobody. So then nobody has anything except a few of the elites who rob everybody else. Can't they understand what works and what doesn't work? Socialism has never worked. And God has been privileged to give to us this wonderful country with this wonderful privileges of a Republican form of government. But we're not talking about that tonight. I just want to keep moving on here. I want you to look there at number three there on your page there. Number three, weak and beggarly elements. Beggarly refers to the bankruptcy of the system that they were turning to. In other words, I'm going to write a check out for $10,000 on my account that's already overdrawn. Now, do you see any sense in doing that? I'm going to get caught. Because you see... It's bankrupt. It can't give me what I want. This is useless and a waste of time for me to try to draw on something that can never satisfy. A person trying to earn their way to heaven can never satisfy them because they never know if they went to the right church, gave enough money, prayed enough, stopped this, stopped that, because it depends upon them. And you can never trust you But if you'll trust the Lord and he gave it to you as a gift and it's free, well, now you've got peace of mind. Why? I know I'm going to heaven. Why? Because he paid my way. He gave me eternal life. I'm saved by grace. See, that's a lot better than me trying to purchase my own salvation by my good works. And God's already says, for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So a man cannot earn eternal life. Now, as you go down through here, I want you to look at a couple of the verses. Uh, look there now in verse 11. It says, I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. In other words, they were there when uh, Paul had to confront these Judaizers who came down there in the book of Acts in chapter 15. And uh, they were there. He, he withstood them to the face because it was in Antioch. And he's referring to that in the book of Galatians. And did, didn't you see what I said? Don't, don't you get this? And that's why he says in verse 6 of chapter 1, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, into another gospel, into another message that cannot save. And so he was, uh, he was hurt. But he, he writes a, a strong letter because he says, Who hath bewitched you that somebody else can come along and convince you God promised you eternal life, and they come along and say it's temporary life. Now, why would you listen to them? If God says it's the gift of God, 
They say it's by the works of God. Why are you listening to them? Who are they? And so he says, don't let somebody put you back into bondage. That's chapter 5 and verse 1, where it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us, what? Free, and become not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. A person trying to earn their way to heaven, they're under bondage. They must perform or they don't get to heaven. Well, what if they just understood it's free? Ah, really? And it makes a world of difference. So as you go down through here, he says, am I your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? See, that's there in verse 16. Now, he says, there's people who want to affect you. It's okay to be affected by people who are doing right. But when you let the wrong kind of people influence you, then it's going to be bad. It's just like, why do you come to church? Well, because God says for us to come together, study the word of God so that we're of the same mind, so that we'll know the same thing, believe the same thing, and therefore we have the same major doctrine. But see, if you didn't do that, your doctrine will just be whatever you want it to be because you can make up your own life. You can make up your own standards. You know, highs and lows or whatever you want. Whatever I want to do is my life. Where's it saying in the Bible, all we like sheep have gone astray. We and we're a bunch of sheep. So we do this because, you see, by not coming together and meeting with the right people, you're going to meet with the wrong people. And the wrong people can influence you in the wrong direction. Now, there is a uh, simple illustration that's used here in chapter 4. But I want you to see the importance of it by going, first of all, chapter 5. In chapter 5, I want you to look there in uh, verse 16. So he's trying to help these Christians learn how to walk with the Lord. So he says, this I say that walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So that you understand the consequences. And everybody has choices to make. So he says, if you walk in the flesh, you say, well, what's walking in the flesh? Of course I'm walking in the flesh. That's all I got is this old body. We're talking about that old sinful nature that you have. If you walk after the desires of man, it even says in the book of Jeremiah 17, in verse uh, 9, he talks about this heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, and who can know it? means that old sinful nature we have. That's what is inside of us that causes us to do all the bad things that we do. See, the bad fruit is because of this bad root. We got a root problem, and it is getting at the root of the problem, trying to help people understand why they do what they do. So he says here in verse 16, walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But you'll still have the lust of the flesh. But walk in the spirit. So what does he mean by that? You look down in verse 22, and this is what he means to walk in the spirit. See there? But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Now, there's no law against bringing forth these good things because that means if you walk in the Spirit, God says you can have the fruit of the Spirit, and that's what you want. Isn't that what everybody wants, to have love and joy and peace in this life? Well, there's a way to get it. If you sow the right thing, you can get the right thing. You sow corn, you get corn. Sow cotton, you get cotton. Sow love, you can get love. Joy, you get joy. You see, you reap what you sow. So when he says about the flesh, now look in verse 19. So that you know the difference. Walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the works of the flesh. 
or the lust of the flesh, and then verse 19, works of the flesh should manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strifes, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, reveling, such like. Although which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. See how simple that is? So that's the flesh, and the other one's the spirit. So the Bible uses a great illustration. It's called an allegory, where you can take stories, even of real people, and explain great biblical truths. And so that's what he's doing over here in the book of Galatians in chapter uh, 4. Now look what he says in verse 19, chapter 4. My little children. So these are people that he had led the Lord. He is not questioning their salvation, whether they're really saved or not. But he says, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Christ must be in you before you can be conformed to the image of Christ. So you have to have an inner motivation of why you do what you do. So after you trust Christ as Savior... God gives us his word. The Bible is God's love letter to his children. So he gave us the word so that we would be able to learn what Christ is like and who I am and that I inherit what my father has. And if I'm a child of God, then I should live like a child of God. And if I am a child of the king, I should use the language of the court. So it's learning how to be the way God wants me to be in this life. So he says, now, right now I stand in doubt of you, that you're not growing in the Lord. So is it possible for some of God's children to be born into God's family and not grow, not mature? Yes, and they remain babes in Christ. But this is what he's saying in verse 22. For it is written, Abraham had two sons, one by bondmaid and the other one by a free woman. All right, look up here now. This is only an illustration Right out of the book of Galatians. This arm right here. We're going to say this arm right here. This is a woman by the name of Hagar. And uh, this arm over here, this represents Sarah. Now, Sarah was the wife of Abraham. Abraham had two sons because he had two women. One was a free woman. One was a slave from Egypt. But he had married Sarah, and God had promised Abraham, you're going to have a son through Sarah. And that's going to be the heir of everything that I promised you. But time went on, and well, lo and behold, the child hadn't come yet. So Sarah told Abraham, why don't you take that woman and have a child by her, and maybe you'll be able to have an inheritance through her son. And that was a no-no. This is when Abraham should never have listened to his wife. But he did. So here's Hagar, and she has a son. Because she was a slave, her son was a slave. And her son, not been a son as an heir, he cannot inherit the promises that God made to Abraham. God promised those that heirship would come through Sarah and Isaac. So here's two women, one free, one a slave. And then you had two sons. You got Isaac, you got Ishmael. This is the flesh, this is the spirit. It's a 
story that takes place in the Old Testament, and it's a real story. But it illustrates these two women. Now, the Bible says Hagar represents that, well, that Mount Sinai. What was given at Mount Sinai? The law. Then we find out there is a new Jerusalem in heaven, and that's what she represents. So she has a son, and Hagar has a son, and she said, cast out the bondwoman and her son. They cannot be heirs. And so, and that was the truth. So what this represents is the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And so that's why when she saw she was pregnant and Sarah wasn't pregnant, Hagar persecuted her. Years later, when the son, Ishmael, was born, Ishmael made fun and persecuted Isaac. So you have the flesh persecutes the spirit. And that's an illustration drawn from the Old Testament in a number of chapters. I think it's just awesome how God put all this stuff together. I don't know how God thought about this. You ever made that? So, this is why whenever you and I were born into this world, we have a flesh birth. That's what you see. That's what I see. That's your flesh birth. We were born with a sinful nature. Therefore, we are under a curse because we cannot keep the righteous law. And the law was not made for a perfect man. The law was made for the sinner. And so we know that we've all failed because the righteousness of the law demands perfection. And nobody has kept it perfectly. So we are all sinners. So we are condemned. We are bond slaves. Slaves to a sinful nature. And we're all going to die. And that's why we all die. So God says when Jesus Christ came into this world. And next thing you know in John chapter 3. When Nicodemus came to him by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, but no man can do the things that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus said, oh, I'm so impressed. Wow. He thinks I'm somebody. And Jesus says, you must be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God nor enter into the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. And so he's talking about the flesh. He says, how can I be born again? Can I enter my mother's womb and be born again? If you could do that a thousand times, and the last time would be just as bad as the first time because the flesh can only give birth to the flesh. The birth cannot give birth to the spirit. So you have a flesh birth. You hear the gospel, you trusted Christ as your Savior. But when God saved you, you have to understand this. God did not save the old man. God did not change this old body. And God did not change your old sinful nature. Nothing here was changed. And you hear a lot of people, well, when I got saved, God took away all my sinful desires. He did not. Didn't take away one of them. Never has. Then why did he do? Give them back to you? This is the flesh. It was born of the flesh, sinful nature, it sins, it dies. 
It cannot improve itself. And this is the shame that most people are trying to get a lost man to improve himself, only to pave the way for him to go to hell on a nice little roller coaster. This over here is when you trusted Christ as your Savior, God gave you a new birth. He didn't change the old one. He gave you a new one. This one is born of the Spirit. So if it's born of the Spirit, born of God, born by the incorruptible Word of God, this one is born of God. And God cannot give birth to a sinful individual because God is perfect. If God is perfect, then his child, born of God, must be perfect. That's the spiritual birth. The spiritual birth doesn't have a sinful nature. No sinful nature cannot sin. Cannot sin, cannot die. That's why when I was born into this world, I got my flesh birth. I still got it. That's what you see. When I trusted Christ as my Savior, I was given a new birth, spiritual birth. That one you cannot see because it's a spiritual birth. You cannot see it. But this birth exists because the word of God says, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. See, this one here has everlasting life, not this one. This one cannot sin. This one can. This one is divine. This one is sinful and wicked. And so the flesh, my flesh, hates the spirit and persecutes the new birth. Because, you see, I only got one body. But I've got these two births living inside of this one body. And God says, I want you to control this body. And my old flesh says, no, you ain't. I'm going to go to church today. No, you're not. You got to stay home and watch Batman. (laughs) So you have the flesh that can control your life because he's stronger. He says, I was here first. I was here first. Just like those people in the land of Canaan, they were there first. They didn't just walk out of there. There was a battle. And they had to claim that territory by trusting God. And by trusting God, God gave them victory and they could go into the land. And that's what they did. But you see, whenever you really understand this, you understand that there's the boxing ring. In this corner is Mike Tyson, flesh. In this corner is your little baby that was just born a birth. A little baby in the same boxing ring with Mike Tyson. I wonder who's going to win. And this is why you have that struggle going on in your life. And God says, you take ownership of this ring. Don't you let Mike Tyson Take control of this here ring. This is yours. But I'm also going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's in your corner. Now, I can't handle Mike Tyson, but I know who can. And so as long as I do exactly what he tells me to do, I can whip Mike Tyson. The only way Mike Tyson can put me on the mat is if I don't listen to the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. See, every Christian, God has given to you the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to give us victory in our Christian life. And if we will study the Word of God and do what God says and speak the way God says and do all the things God says, God says you can have victory in your Christian life. And without it, you cannot have it. It's not going to happen. 
That's why in chapter 6 it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Whoever you listen to is going to determine whether or not you uh, win or lose. I came to the conclusion years ago, I've only got one life to live. No reruns, no instant replays. I just got one trip through. And I want to listen to see what he says because I don't have any great burning desire to have Satan hook me. I don't want my flesh to have victory over my life. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.